Hey, I'm Lynn Rogala. And I'm Ali Diliberto, and we are coming to you from the ladies' room. So we can talk about removing stupid, frustrating, and toxic shit from the world in a way that's not prim enough for the dinner table. Okay, welcome back to the ladies' room. I'm crawling in tonight. Crawling in, yeah. Crawling into the ladies' room, like crawling in, collapsing in the stall, talking to you over the side. Yeah, not because you've had too much to drink, which is what that makes it sound like. But... <laughs> like Fair staggering enough. into the ladies' room, like hold my hair back, Lynn, while I puke. <laughs> Thank you for making sure I didn't put that out in the world. Right, but that's what it sounded like. Yeah, and we're we're both a little off kilter. I mean, you've been off kilter in the ladies' room for months, but How I'm also a little. You? No, uh, you're you're out of space, right? Um, No, because I'm not home. I was going to say, we're both not home. Yep. We're out of of our normal rhythm. And then you went to profit school, the profits, and then you got sick right when you first came home. Also, both of our worlds are filled with smoke from all the fires. Mm -hmm. And that's why I got sick. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't actually get sick. That's what was so awful because I'm like, I can't oil this away. Because True. when I was in California, the air quality was literally off the charts. Like there's a chart and it was literally off the charts. And by the last day, my sinuses were like, you know, I'm not loving this. And then I got really sick and flew like that and got a punctured eardrum out of it. So it was really super exciting. Your sinuses were like, okay, we're just going to stage a full out revolt. Right. Well, my sinuses and my ears are always a little bit on the brink of revolt. Like um, I was telling the guys I used to work with that I'm such a delicate teacup that my ears will pop even from Phoenix to Tucson. Like when I'm driving from Phoenix to Tucson, my ears will pop. Which it goes up like two and a half feet. It's not really a heavy. It's a little more than than (laughs) that, but yeah. They're in the valley. We're a little bit higher, but yeah. And also um, the reason I'm not home is we're having our house like torn apart right now. I'm, I'm exaggerating, but only a little bit. And so I can't go home even if I want to. And that was really alarming to pack up and leave and then come back from a trip, but not be able to go home. Well, and also to then be sick and literally like not even be able to unpack. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I was be like, I'm not home and I'm in a sick yeah. and I'm miserable and I, I can't don't breathe. have any of my comforts. Yeah. I can't breathe. I have to rush to urgent care. Yeah. It was not good. And if our audio is not what we're used to, it's because... I'm not home. There's no internet at my house. My computer's not hooked up. All the things. But we're making do. And it's all Lynn's fault if it isn't good. It is all my fault. Whatever. We tested it. It's going to be perfect. It's as good as it's going to be. I did like how you challenged my technical ability by calling me rather than coming. (laughs) I thought it was super funny how we were talking and we're like, okay, let's go over to Zoom. And then we hung up and it probably wasn't 30 seconds. And I called you instead of logging into the zoom link I was like oh gosh I got it sorry any of this works yeah and it's really funny that we usually record in the afternoons or evenings and I was thinking like we might have to end up recording in the morning and I was thinking how I'm not really a morning person and then I was really thinking tonight like oh that might have been better yeah and I you know what I'm not much of a morning person either and I was going to be up tomorrow morning because I have to take Riley to one of her funnest classes, which is the farmyard. 
which is hilarious. I know. Right. And she said they have, so she goes to a school that has a garden and a little farmyard, like a literal farmyard with goats and chickens and ducks. And the kids are allowed to come in before school. However, they have to sign up. And now with COVID it's one day a week instead of two days a week, all the things, but she actually gets to take care of these actual animals, like a real live, they gather the eggs. They Mind you, this feed. is Tucson, not like Montana where kids just grow up doing that. Right. Well, some kids in certain parts of Tucson, kids grow up doing that. That's probably true. It's not so my kid. enough areas. Not your kids for sure. Because of Eric's chicken thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting chicken. I'm not getting chicken. beavers, Eric? How about we get some beavers? No. But it is very early. <laughs> There's a giant sign on the Vivint arena about how Justin Bieber's coming. Every time I drive by it, it makes me laugh. Yeah. Well, that's funny. <laughs> I mean, it's funny that he's coming, and it's also funny that his name is Bieber and not Bieber. Right. I mean, it's funny now that every time I see it, I'm like, Justin Bieber. <laughs> Justin Bieber. Okay. So know. we were talking just before we got on here because for those of you listening, it's been no time at all. But for us, it's been weeks since we yeah. last recorded. And so we were kind of trying to orient ourselves. And we decided to talk about what's actually one of our favorite topics, which is communication, but in a very specific way. And also, Lynn, as a result, will let me get away with plenty of meadow reporting as we go along. So that's yes. it. Yes, true. Um, and you get to have a theme. It's wonderful. I know I like to have a theme. I know. Because I, you know, it can't be, even though we're in a category of basically, we're just going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff. I'd like to have a theme. I, I haven't talked to you about this, but it feels like something we should definitely talk about. So you know how I always say that my friend Lisa is like our biggest fan because every week she listens the day it comes out and she's always sharing her podcast with people. And then she's always so sweet. talking to me about what she likes about the podcast and like continuing the conversation. I love it so much. And, um, I think that we should, I, we should like send her a prize for being our biggest fan. Like we definitely really entertaining, should. like about beavers or maybe like yes. the podcast logo on the back and then something well, really don't, obnoxious. Don't the talk front. about it on the podcast. I'm sorry. Send it. Then we want it to be a surprise. Lisa, don't listen. We're going to have don't a listen to that part. Don't nah, listen nah. to that part. No, I, I love that. I love coming up with a prize. <laughs> And not like your mom's review where she's like, this is surprisingly good. <laughs> she's the worst. She is the worst. Okay. <laughs> so, um, you know what? I got to really get in the energy. I got to admit, okay, I'm like sorry. not in the energy. No, it's fine. Maybe I, I that. should create it for a change to get us started. Yeah. You create you it. You always carry will... all the weight. You really do a good job of that. But I could, I think I can pull it off today. Okay, great. So you create it. And then Especially because there's no punchline and there's nothing funny. So I don't have to, I won't ruin the joke or anything else. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm pacing around in this little tiny bedroom and I don't really have, I mean, it's funny because even in a little tiny bedroom where I don't live, I have like 10 oils, but none of them are good for, you know, getting me focused and right. All right. Step really hard on your toe. Okay. So we were kind of thinking like, what do we talk about? What do we share about? But I've been really thinking a lot and living through a lot of grief, like my own, um, those around me, obviously Peggy, as she's going through this loss of being able to walk and what this is going to look like and all the uncertainty. And 
um, we were talking about like how normalizing it and being with that communication is super, super powerful. And I really don't think we do it enough. I mean, I can't even think about, I mean, I can't remember more than you and I generating conversations about the grief that we experienced in COVID and, and all of that. I can't remember that happening very much like anywhere else in my life as it being normalized. Like there was a lot, plenty of people like I miss this and I miss that, but the real, you know, what's inside the heart of we've all experienced a lot of loss and yeah, you know, trauma. I think trauma, right? Like these experiences that are really, really hard. And I think the less we see ourselves as victims, the more, like maybe the less equipped we are to really generate those conversations. Cause I can see that I'm experiencing trauma, of course, but <laughs> even I can see that, but then normalizing it and being with what's happening in real time and being able to do that with people in your lives. Like there's so much there. And since my husband doesn't listen to these calls, except if I turn them on for him and I'll remember for sure not to do this one. Um, I'll say like, I totally lost my shit today, like freaking out, hysterical crying in the Walmart parking lot. And just the fact that there's a Walmart parking lot involved in the story should tell you something. Right. And it's never good. It, never good. It was in the Walmart parking lot. And then hit, and then like, I was just like, I mean, we're all going through a lot and he didn't do something I wanted him to do. And I just lost my mind. Right. And so I threw a tantrum and I yelled all the things and I cried and like, it was such a beautiful, um, like I, like Lynn was just with me in it. Like the, Wait, on the, the, to be clear, you did all that on the phone with me. <laughs> Make sure that you right, like, true. She didn't come over to the parking lot in Walmart. No, but, but you weren't by yourself. I think that's, no, important. I wasn't like by you... myself. Like I called you and I was like, well, first I texted you and then I called you, but, or you called me. And then I was like, hold on, I got to get out of the Ford dealer. And, um, then there was all the, but I was in this intense, like, I mean, every day I'm probably right on the edge, so it doesn't take much, but then I was really upset and you danced with me in this conversation and let it unfold and let me rant and process. And then you're like, well, why do you think he's doing that? And I was like, cause he's a selfish asshole. And then you're like, Hmm, you know, and then of course, like my husband is a lot of things, but a selfish asshole. I don't know if he's ever been a day in his life. So, right. I mean, no, it's, it's not, it's certainly not, not the top 10. Yeah. And <laughs> so like way later, Lynn's like, yeah, maybe not. Maybe that one part doesn't quite fit, but we ended up with this amazing resolution in an hour. And I think it's such a good example. Cause if at the point I had called him a selfish asshole, you'd been like, hold on. He's not a selfish asshole. You know that like it would have stopped the communication and I don't know if we would have ever got to like, okay, I can be with us. I know what there is to do. Like I can act like an adult for the rest of the day, like all that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I want to pause a second and create some of the language that you're saying, like um, being with communication and also dancing in the conversation about what we mean by those terms. Um, but before we do that, I want to just make like an analogy comment is that in the middle of, and I tested a couple of times, like, is she ready for this? Nope. Not quite yet. Um, it, it's almost like if someone's vomiting and you try to get them to stop vomiting and figure out why they're sick, like neither one of those is yeah. useful in the moment, but like trying to shove the vomit back in their face or help them 
like try to get them to keep the vomit in their mouth or be like look at that vomit it's bad right yeah well that's another thing but I think we actually tend to do the thing where we try to get people to keep the vomit in to just stop Mm. like stop vomiting your vomit is making me uncomfortable I'm not sure if you should be vomiting right now yeah swallow that back down swallow that back down um and why do you think you're vomiting like neither one of those is like one is actually really toxic right like if you're vomiting you need to get it out um, I was going to say, when you, I mean, every mom's sat over the toilet with their kid, you know, like get it out, just let it pass, you know? Right. And but they we try don't to do that in communication. It's yeah. a good analogy. Yeah. yeah. And also if you really were in the ladies room with me holding your hair back, I want to wait till you're done puking to go, what's going on? Do you think you ate something <laughs> right. bad? You know, like, because, because once you're done, once it's out, there is something good to do. Like, did you eat something bad? Are you sick? Do you need medicine? Do you need to vomit some more? Like who knows, right? But while I'm holding your hair and you're like, go, you know, Allie, do you think, do you think it was the nachos? <laughs> Look in the toilet. <laughs> Is it the nachos? Right. I think I see an olive. Maybe it was those nachos. I think those nachos were kind of bad. Maybe it was the Indian food we had yesterday. Like right. not I useful. wonder why I don't feel good and you do or whatever. Right? <laughs> Just right. Yeah. I'm not throwing up. So it could have been the nachos because I ate as many of those. Like that is not helpful at all. Um, So I wanted to throw that analogy out, but let's talk a minute about, because we've talked on here about Landmark and how we're both graduates and we love the work. And my favorite work, bar none, is the two communications courses. And so much that you thought about becoming a communications course leader. I mean, yeah, it's your work for sure. And honestly, if they didn't have so many bullshit obstacles to it, I probably still would consider it. So we'll call that their loss. But um (laughs) am I on it about that no I don't think so anyway um, (laughs) I don't think you're incomplete about it no I'm not incomplete about it I'm just like "Eh." but um so what you were talking about with being with communication it's so funny because I was literally I, I was on the phone with another girlfriend and I hung up with her and I called you and that was the conversation where you were kind of losing your shit and in the conversation with her right before I called you I was talking to her about the communications courses and how I can be with any communication um, and that it's a superpower. And it's not because I'm so amazing. It's because I've gone through these courses and developed these skills. Like you practice them in a way that is kind of to continue our analogy, like kind of vomity, like it, it feels really sick and yucky <laughs> when you're doing it where you learn yeah. to just be able to be with. And what we mean by be with is you just don't resist whatever's happening. Like whatever the person is saying, you don't even have to agree with it. You just don't resist the fact that they're saying it. Um, because there was some yeah, stuff you don't that, make it right or wrong or this or that. Right. You just yep, got it, let got it, it, got it exist in the space. And I think when you and I were talking about it, you said something that was so good. Like you're not a robot because you described like I felt really zen in that moment, and I was like, yes, but like not zen in the way that like you're somehow emotionally like serene in a way that you're not with it, but like you're just really with it, like surfing a wave. Like I can go through this because you were like, yeah, that's bullshit. Like plenty of times, like you were indignant with me and upset with me and for me, but you weren't like, make it stop. Don't say that, whatever. Right. Put the vomit back in your mouth. So that's the one thing to be with. And I was, I was kind of internally laughing. I'm like, I just told my other friend that I can be with any communication. And here's an opportunity to be with some really hard communication right? Because you were yelling. Um, and I don't like <laughs> I yelling, but definitely it, yelling. 
<laughs> but it wasn't funny. Uh, also, you didn't, even though I know you don't like yelling, I knew it. I knew you could just, you, you were just with it. Like I wasn't worried about upsetting you or mm-hmm. whatever, which also didn't have the impact of having me stop what I was saying. And when we're in crisis, either collectively or in a family or individually, like the emotions are so high and there's so much that you just need to get through. Like everybody's throwing up on each other at some point in a way that you don't normally have to deal with in life. Like I was saying about John, like, well, this is probably the worst thing he's ever been through in his life or me. Right. Like I think the crisis on crisis and just how hard it's been, like it's super hard. So maybe he's not the most resourceful he's ever been. And maybe he doesn't even need to gain a skill set to get through this because probably never going to happen again, but it was just good. And but we didn't get inside there. what's happening. That that wasn't the start of the conversation. That's where we. That end. was and only I like thirty seconds at the end. Most of it was ranting and freaking out and cry, hysterical crying. Yeah, yeah, and that needed to happen. Really, like, I mean, maybe we should just call this podcast when you need to puke because crying really, in the ladies' room. <laughs> you really did need to like puke it all up, and yeah. That's good because in the moment you're like, I kind of think you've just been holding it all in and you just need to get it out. And I was like, whatever, Lynn, <laughs> you know, but like <laughs> what made you aware of that? Because I was, I mean, yesterday was a great day. And I mean, we got to discharge from the hospital after and we were only there for a couple of days. And I mean, all these amazing things that happened yesterday. And we went out to dinner with Peggy's doctor and she took us out to dinner. Like we were just I mean, it's the first time we've done anything like that in two months. So it really felt like this amazing thing. And then, but that's not my typical day today. Yeah, but no, it was an unusual day. That, that was a, I mean, I'm not going to take any, like, um, I mean, I'm sure you've been with people with chronic illness and they sometimes have really, really good days and you just take them as a good day. Right. Like you don't right. take them as, oh, oh, they must be getting better. It's going like, to be no, good from now on. Yeah. This person still is dying of cancer or whatever, and they're having a really right. good day. And so on the really good day, you go to the movies. You just let it be a good day. You just let it be a good day. But um, it's funny. Because, I don't think, can I say no. something about that? Yeah. Even, yeah. And you won't forget what you're saying. So no. I don't think prior to this, that that was something I I'm not even sure I'm still really able to be with that in a very powerful way. But um, the woman who, you know, gave me the place to stay and has just like adopted us and taken us in Andrea, she um, texted me like right in the very beginning, like, you know, like I told her something good had happened and she was just like all the good days. Like, we know, there's gonna be so many hard days, like celebrate all the good days, like at ring every bit out of them. Yeah. And I sometimes do feel like, you know, I mean, I have an energy to do anything like, but I don't, I don't think I'd post on Facebook like, man, today was the best day, blah, 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 because 90% of the days are bad. And I don't want people to, you know, not get the reality of what's happening inside. It just feels almost like the good days are sometimes out of place. They are. Does that make sense? It does. And I don't think taking a good day as a good day and enjoying it means that you have to post on Facebook about it because that is kind of denying your (laughs) reality, right? Like, you're right. You're right. 90% of the days are awful. And the good days, you should just go to the movies and go out to dinner and laugh and enjoy and rest and love and do what, not that you're not loving on the bad days, but you know, like just enjoy it. 
and you don't but I just took that as like precious wisdom that she gave me right in the beginning and she's given me the space to sell like she's with us I mean every day it's what do you need how do we support you you know all that stuff um but she's as able to dance with me in and out of the good and bad and hard and easy times and that's some really like lovely and something I wanted to take out of this experience for sure yeah absolutely and I think letting it be a standalone day not an indicator not uh just like you don't take the worst day as an indicator you don't take the best day as an indicator it just is a day it's a day of what's happening um but what I was going to say in answer to your question of how did I know um, number one, I know you really well, and I know you're just kind of at the end of your rope, like your resources are really drained, but it's I feel like I've because... held it together so well, so much of the time. How did you, you know? <laughs> just <kidding. laughs> no, you have, but I was talking. So part of what, one of the other things we were going to talk about on here is like the acknowledgement has been so powerful. And like, when I went to, um, profits, my anxiety was off the charts, like ridiculously I don't want to say irrational in a make wrong way but like not connected to reality like there was no reality to how high my anxiety was and um one of the things you did for me and that was just acknowledge it right like oh yeah this is really hard because I was packing the house and getting ready to travel and knew I was going to come home to a torn up house and blah 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 but I was talking to my coach about it and it was so interesting because the sick that I got when I came home, so there was the fire and all the ash and everything in the air. And mm-hmm. um, I had such severe sinus swelling that I couldn't even swallow. Like I couldn't, I, I, I hope bad. that nobody, I hope that nobody listening ever has to deal. I've only had this severe of sinus congestion a couple times in my life. And like the last time it was that bad, I had to be under the care of an ENT for a couple weeks. Like it was really, really bad. Um, wow. And it was that my body just couldn't take it anymore. And what's interesting is it kind of came out of nowhere. Um, I wasn't feeling sick. I wasn't feeling bad. I went to church that morning. I felt fine. I was sitting and then boom, out of nowhere, which is also why I couldn't get on top of it with oils. But I was like, yeah, because, and and probably you had to fly on top of it. Yes. Mm. But the, but the congestion was as severe before I flew as it was after I flew. Like that was, yeah, that's that's right. You know, but um, I was taking a bunch of on guard because I'm still worried about COVID and everything. And so what happened was my histamine response was hovering below the threshold until it wasn't. And then once it was past the threshold, my whole body reacted in this like inflammatory non cascade. Right. And that's kind of how my anxiety is too. Right. Like I'm holding it together, holding it together. And then once it bursts through, it's really difficult to kind of get it back. Like, once I had the inflammation, I had to go get steroids. There was no way, well, not no way. I could have waited six weeks for it to go away on its own. Um, it's funny when I was looking up the dosages and stuff for the drugs, I found this study where they're like, we tried a placebo in some people and steroids in others. And after three months, they both had the same outcome, but the quality of life was better in the steroid people. I'm like, well, no shit. <laughs> That's fantastic. Right. It's like, hey, we've done that these people got to eat every day for two weeks and these other people didn't eat every day for two weeks. And after six months, they both had the same level of hunger. Well, yeah, but they were super hungry during those two weeks. Right. But, um, anyway, so it's like that with anxiety. So like there's a threshold and it's very similar to your immune response, your histamine response. This is kind of why we have allergies too. Right. 
is that once you push through that threshold, it's just a shitstorm. And so you've been holding it together really well for a super long time, but you've been at threshold. Yeah. So, for sure. you know, what happened today normally would not have, would not have pushed you into the kind of meltdown that you had, but you're, you've been at threshold. So it's like the, um, what Brian Johnson talks about with the boiling the water, right? Like it doesn't boil until you get to that last degree. And then once you get that last degree, the boiling is irresistible and now it's boiling. So right. you've just been at threshold for a super long time. So I'm like, yeah, I'm super glad because you've managed to not go through the threshold, but it's not good to be at threshold. And so if you can like drain it away, like the day that you're able to take some self-care and kind of get that down, then right. it just gives you more capacity. Like it's literal capacity. We talk figuratively about our capacity, but like for me with my congestion, if I had known how close my histamine was to threshold, I wouldn't have taken any on guard that week. It might've been okay. So I kind of love that we veered off a little tiny bit into the body because one of the things that we've talked a lot about that I think is like in the soup for us now that mostly people don't talk enough about or think enough about um, is both like histamine response, cortisol, like the connection to the body and what's happening. And that has been really helpful. So I wish you would kind of talk about like how does on guard work and we'll veer off into you know, oils for a minute, but it's part of understanding what's happening in the body and same with the stress cycle. And then I want to talk a little mm -hmm. bit about my, the conversation that we had about sleep with me. Yeah. Yeah. And like, this was a really helpful analogy that when I was talking to my coach using this histamine thing, because we were talking about anxiety um, and, you know, you and I do a really high mind management. We play a really high mind management game. We were talking about that this week too. That but, was one of the best comments we made this week, I think, was like, I was saying that, and I've said this to her, so I think it's okay to say, but that Peggy needs to up her mental game and that right, we play yeah. a high level mental game compared to a lot of people in our lives sometimes. But like, this is demanded even a higher level than I, I mean, I'm, like I said, like I'm having to grow, like we've talked about in earlier podcasts. Right. And there can be a tendency, at least in me, I'm, I don't want to speak for you to use it against myself, <laughs> right? Like I shouldn't ever feel anxiety because I play such a high mental game. I should be able to not feel anxiety. And oh, that's interesting. Like this shouldn't right. be so hard because I can just reframe it. But you do a really right. great job with other people of not trying to like, you know, do some bullshit to it. Like let's just I not know, right? ourselves. Yeah, right. But here's the thing. Even if I could reframe it, once I'm in anxiety, the hormones and the chemicals that cause that, reaction in me are in my system. I can't get them back out. You know, it's right. like, being, it's like being drunk, right? Like, right. You might decide you might put down the drink and go, Oh, I wish I hadn't drank that last drink, but too bad. You just got to ride it out now. <laughs> so like, right. Plus riding. there's a well-worn path around that, that you mm -hmm. like with genetic predisposition and early mm -hmm. childhood training and all those things too, that are all yeah. part yeah. of the cake. Right. Like my fight or flight hair trigger is a big part mm -hmm. of my anxiety. So there's no amount of reframing that. Um, and now I've lost my train of thought. Oh, you wanted me to talk about histamine response. So, um, I mean, what do you want to talk about? Like, do you want set me up a little bit? Cue me up because now I lost my train when I was talking about anxiety and the same as 
I mean, I think one of the things that we've done is really talk about, well, I wanted you to talk about on guard because you just throw it out there. Like everybody who's listening will know what that means. (laughs) And I, but I think that's actually, I mean, I didn't have that. You know, something you've brought into my life that I think about a lot. Like, do I want to boost my histamine response right now or not? Like, what are the impacts? And you talk about it with blood pressure and all these different things. So I, I mean, it's just like a piece of like women's wisdom that I think we should share. Yeah. Okay. So, um, when people talk about boosting their immune system, it's kind of bullshit. <laughs> like we shouldn't talk about it that way because you don't really want to do that. But what you're actually well, doing. How do people like, talk about it? Cause I don't even have, I can't even think of an example where somebody's trying to boost their immune system. No, like people say you use on guard to boost your immune system. And that's not actually oh, yes. true. Like, your immune system is what it is. But one of the ways your immune system works is with histamine. Like you have histamine in your body. It fights off invaders. It's good. It's a good thing. Um, people with allergies are, they go over their histamine threshold and your body takes, you know, pollen as an invader, it produces a whole bunch of histamine. And then you're miserable for no reason. Your, your immune system is tricked and the right, misery, same with cortisol and, and stress uh-huh. hormones, right? Like we right. tip over into the point where it's chronic, but right. we die without the inflammatory response. Right. But even in, in acute, you can be really miserable. That's where the runny nose and the stuffy nose comes from and the watery eyes and all those things. That's your histamine response. So on guard, one of our favorite oils has oils in it that boost the histamine response. Um, and if you think you're going to be exposed to pathogens, it's a good thing to boost that histamine response. Give it a little extra juice because you might want to just kind of, it's like all hands on deck, right? You're kind of calling right. all hands on deck. You're letting your immune system know all hands on deck. Which is but, why we think about taking it. Like I always took it when I fly because I used to lose my voice when I flew because mm-hmm. of However, my body reacted to being exposed to extra stuff. Right, exactly. So you kind of give your body that extra little boost. But for me, okay. with my, my sinusitis, that was, and maybe I wouldn't have been able to prevent it. I don't know, because the, the, the offense of the smoke in the air, and it wasn't just smoke, like, and it was by the so way, bad. I, I don't mean to, like, there are people who lost homes and businesses, like a whole town to the east burned to the ground. So obviously their pain and their loss far exceeds mine. And I had a negative impact from that burning debris flying to where I was for a whole week. Um, and so the congestion that I had was my histamine response, just going crazy. Like my inflammation, my inflammation, just going crazy. Um, and partly accurately and partly inaccurately detecting that all this smoke and ash and debris was a pathogen. Mm-hmm. Right. Because the inflammation didn't get it out. Just made me really miserable. Um, so I quit taking, once I realized what was happening and I started taking steroids, I quit taking on guard. And, and in fact, that was actually one of the things during COVID they were. Um, so I'm going to scroll off here for a second. Like during the Spanish flu a hundred years ago, um, a lot of young, healthy people died. And the reason was, was um, what's called an inflammatory cascade where the inflammatory response of the immune system would get kicked into turbocharge and it would start attacking the body. And then it just kind of like snowballed down the hill. Um, So the youngest, healthiest people died the most because their immune systems were the strongest. So the stronger your immune system was, the faster it killed you is how the Spanish flu worked. And when we first, when COVID first came on the scene, and I don't actually know where we landed, if this was one of the original variants and it's not true anymore or whatever, but there were some evidences of inflammatory cascades. So we were telling everyone not to use OnGuard 
and to use um, tea tree and some of the other ones that don't increase the histamine response because you didn't want to kick your immune system into overdrive. You wanted to kind of go in through the back door. And of course, with natural stuff, we're even less likely to do that anyway because of the way the body integrates you know, plant medicine versus if we were taking something prescriptive to force a specific response. But right, exactly, exactly. But even still, yeah. it, it was yeah. not a place to mess around because again, no, everybody was a, a hair trigger. So I think, you know, um, so wait, I, I didn't follow. So when you were, you were already having histamine response because of the way your sinuses were acting. So you, if you had taken a bunch of on guard that would have kicked it up higher. No, I think that actually might be part of what happened because <laughs> I oh, was thinking you were of... already taking so much on guard. Yeah, because I was. At and, this event. and you are incredibly sensitive compared to most people when it comes to your yes. sinuses and stuff. I believe I said delicate teacup on this podcast already. <laughs> <laughs> Can you sing a song about that? <laughs> I actually know. I know a really dirty version of I'm a little teapot, but I'm never going to sing it on the oh, podcast. Oh, come on. So... Not even part of it. No, it's so vulgar. It's so vulgar. Oh, I can't. I, feel I can't just, believe like that's wrong that you brought that up. I'm my old Google team it. begged me. My, you probably won't be able to find it from Google. Um, uh-huh. My old team begged and begged me to sing it. I never did. By the way, I feel like these are getting <laughs> less and less funny. Um, but anyway, so this topic uh, is not that funny, but it's good. No, it's good. It's good. But um, uh, once I got home, and I knew for sure that I was, because I had the congestion, I flew home, I thought I might've been able to get back on top of it and then it flared up again. And so then I stopped taking on guard totally and just took yeah. the steroids, took as much anti. So then I switched to anti-inflammatory, frankincense, capiba, stuff like that, right? Um, to lower my overall inflammation. So okay. yeah, it's back not, to being with communication in that process. Back to being with communication, yeah. So it's, it's really interesting because this came up today with you and then I, the friend I was talking to, the reason I mentioned to her that I could be with any communication is she's trying to, um, I don't want to say too much because I haven't asked her permission, but she's trying to basically repair um, uh, like inherited wounds. Like, what do they call it? There's like a, a non-Christian way to talk about it where it's like not generational bondage. <laughs> it's generational bondage, but whatever. Anyway, so she's working on like some generational stuff and um getting the usual pushback. Um, and part of what's happening is she can't be with her family's communication that they don't like it. Mm. Um, and so we were talking about, and I was telling her about the superpower and she's actually super enrolled in taking the courses so she can be with that communication because it's really powerful stuff. And then I hung up with her and then you and I had that conversation. And then another one of my coach friends posted just a couple hours ago about um, how angry she was when her brother died and that she wasn't allowed to be angry and she was angry at him and like she posted it on Facebook I'm not going to say too much but it's not like I'm telling she didn't privately tell me this but like she wanted to tell him he was a fucking asshole and what a dumbass because he died in an accident um Mm. and like how mad she was and that she was not allowed to feel that anger and as as I read her post I just I just felt it all over my body And I commented, I'm like, I'm so sorry for your loss, even though this was years and years ago. And she said that that felt like a hug because I could just feel her, her, her like giving herself permission to let all that anger out 
And I really did want to just hug her and be like, yeah, I got it. I got all. And this isn't me saying I'm such an amazing person. I'm saying like, this is just interesting that this all came up that like, I, I took all of her anger and I'm like, yeah, I got all of your anger and I'm so sorry. And I'm not going to tell you, you know, our inclination is stop vomiting. Don't be mad at him. It was an accident. He would be, he would feel sad if he knew how much he hurt you. No, that's bullshit. I got it. You're pissed. I get it. And I'm sorry. Yeah. Right. And then almost immediately someone else commented about a suicide in their family and how angry she's feeling and how she hasn't felt like she's been able to do it. And so like her courage kicked off a cascade of this next woman's courage and like all of this puke that we force each other to shove back in our mouths. I think it's so interesting, right? Because we, we talked, um, I don't know, a few podcasts ago about how powerful it is to generate communication and language. And this is really more about like being with communication, but the communication, like how I said, my husband was selfish and all that stuff. Like it wasn't um, like, it wasn't destructive unless I had gotten, like when you don't let someone communicate, they get stuck with that communication. Right. And so it's not like we always get this, like, we're not like these, I mean, delicate little, you know, teapot, like la la la, never feeling any real emotion. But that's the other side of it is that we are generating a communication with one another. And when we get the communication, it's amazing. Right. And how much truth there was in it, because it's not true that he was a selfish asshole. But what was true is that that's what you felt like at the time. And so I can be with your communication that that's how it's feeling to you. And that's how it's occurring and all that stuff. And that is like, like you and I, we walk through something. I don't, I don't know how much you want to say about it. We walked through something where we said you should only ever tell the truth. I mean, not that you're a big liar, but like there was something spiritual. Oh, yeah. happening. We should where, talk about that sometime, but yeah, sometime, every bit all the time where okay. every bit was really true. And there were some court testimony involved. And even there, we were really careful to say, I felt that blah, blah, blah. I thought that blah, blah, blah. Because the blah, blah, blah didn't have to be true or false. If that's what you thought at the time, or if that's what you were feeling, like I felt unsafe, you know, if someone, if something happens and a person says, I really feel unsafe, the reality of their safety isn't important. The truth of what they're saying is what's important. Like that's the communication. Like, oh, I get it. You feel unsafe. You don't have to agree or disagree. Like your agreement or disagreement is totally irrelevant. And so like the reality and the truth of my friend's anger and my other friend's fear and your rage, um, although like we deny that truth because right. it's unpleasant or we feel like it's unfair, right? Like, like I was not going to let you take a destructive action today based on how you were feeling. Right. But I was saying for- like, if I had called and said, oh, I'm going to divorce his ass. And I'm going to call him and tell him I hate him, whatever. Like you would have been like, whoa, whoa, that's where you're right. not like some Zen like robot, but you're right. like, you know, but being with it diffused it in a way that's powerful. And I feel like if we had like a bunch of women in the, you know, in the ladies room with us talking, some of them would immediately be like, oh my gosh, I can totally see myself in these conversations, how I do this well, how I don't. But then a lot of people leave and then realize they're in their body when they're resisting someone's communication and I think the like it's super powerful I don't even know if I got this from landmark but like doing something just to be present to yourself 
and not responding to the communication, just notice like the communication that you resist. Like maybe it's somebody bringing up something about politics or maybe it's, you know, something about your kids or, you know, something relationally that you're resisting and being able to just find a way in your body to just let it land diffuses it. And you can bring all this power to dance in those conversations by just bringing some presence to it. Right. And the world would be a much more civil place as much as we've talked about civility, if that was actually something that we fostered. Yeah. Because we have this feeling that if I let you talk, it means I agree with you. And if I don't agree (laughs) with you, then I have to cut you off and you, I have to, and everything you ever say has to be true. If it's heard in a public forum, like you're not ever allowed to evolve your perspective or, you know, be wrong or whatever. Right. Yeah. Like I changed my mind, normalize saying I learned new information and I changed my mind. Um, And that's what I was telling my friend today about being able to be with her family's communication is they keep trying to give you this communication and you're like, return to sender, return to sender, return to sender. And they're not going to stop unless they stop talking to you at all. Right. Um, It's like a, like an email when it bounces it, the email servers always try to immediately send it again. And it'll just keep doing that for a while until it gives up totally. And then sometimes it won't even try that email address again. Some of them are like, you know what? I tried I tried to send that email, bounced five times. So I'm just going to delete that email from existence. <laughs> and that's what <laughs> happens when we resist communication long enough is people are like, okay, if you don't want my communication, then I won't give you any of it. Yeah. Yeah. And then we learn as people to stop and stop and stop talking. Like I'm just, I'm thinking about, um, I went and saw the movie Respect, the Aretha Franklin movie yesterday. Mm-hmm. And um, that was one of the things like, I mean, I suppose most people see, but like she, she didn't tell her story in the beginning. Like she, she silenced it. And we were just talking about like the power of how do you grow up that age already knowing, you know, 11, 12, like don't talk, don't tell your story. And I do, I think we do that a lot in our culture, but I think we do that to women in a really unique way. Oh yeah. That's That's super destructive. Yeah. Yeah. Behave, be quiet, be nice. Yeah. Don't be, don't be upsetting. Yeah. Don't be upsetting to other people. Yeah. Yeah. So shall we wrap up? Well, I want to say, no, I want to say two quick things. I want to say this, um, the, like, I wanted to say something just about grief. Like one of the best things you can do for someone in grief or in your own grief is normalizing it. And if you can't be with communication, like and you have to figure it out or solve for it, it's really, really hard. So like just being with like, yeah, this sucks. Yeah, there you can be in denial. Like really just letting it be helps it move so much faster so there can be healing. And I mean, I meet people all the time who've been divorced for like five years and they're just as much of a hot mess as they were and just as angry or whatever the, the, the first couple months that it happened because they never moved through the process. And so I think um, whatever it is, right? Like the people around you, like I'm really vulnerable to getting stuck with this trauma and I'm so protected by the people that listen and let me process and move through it because they just make it normal. Like so many, even one of my friends, like I apologize for not texting her and she had sent me this beautiful text, like, 
you know, how's your space? Or I mean, something really like woo woo and lovely because that's how she is. But, um, and I was like, oh yeah, sorry, I didn't even answer you for like, you know, a month and a half. And she was like, it's amazing that you're even answering me now. And that kind right. of, those kinds of responses, because we're all like, I don't feel bad very often, but I am not very impressed with my level of functionality right now. So just <laughs> being able to be like, you know, you're allowed to be back for just as much as you want to be one text or one word or whatever. Like it really is super helpful. Yeah. When so there's I was the one in thing college, I wanted to say about that. Go ahead. That was actually, that was actually, I wanted to wrap up with like some practical, like what does all of this mean? And that was one of the things is like being with people like that. And when I was in college, I worked at a domestic violent, I volunteered at a domestic violence shelter and they trained us in this kind of listening. And one of the greatest phrases is it's okay to feel what you're feeling. I mean, I know mm-hmm. you hate that because it's got the F word in it, but um, yeah, just mm-hmm. to just say like a person's like, I'm this blah, 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 blah. And you know what? It's okay to feel, it's okay to feel mad. It's okay to feel sad. Yeah. It's okay to feel overwhelmed. It's okay to feel out of control. It's okay to feel freaked out or anxious or whatever you just name their feeling. It's okay to feel that because we don't have permission to right. have whatever big feelings, you know, and, and we learn from a really little age, especially girls, stop having your big feelings, stop vomiting. It's making everyone uncomfortable. Right. I think it's really a good point. And I also have found myself saying often to Peggy, like, cause sometimes the emotions are scary, right? Like I sometimes have said to her, like, it is okay to be as sad as you feel. And it's not okay to stay there. Like, it's not like you have to be responsible that you can't stay in denial and rage and whatever, like, but you can do it as intensely as you want right now. And knowing like you can do this and then we're leaving and it's not always going to be like this. I think, I mean, she might think it's, that's not helpful, but I have found that helpful in those moments too. Yeah. Well, and if you do the first part, it's okay to have this big feeling. You often don't need to say the second part. I assure Um, you in the current experience, we sometimes need to say that. That's fine. (laughs) But, but that's more of a long-term, like you don't say it, like I wouldn't have said to you today in the middle of your rage, it's okay to be this angry, but it's not okay to stay this angry, Allie. Like that would have not helped at all. Like I think you no, would no, more for angry. sure. Because you needed to finish. Yes, for sure. So yeah. will you tell the story you said, because I think one of the harder things to get around is denial and buffering and like some of the things that are happening. Will you say what you said about when Riley was oh, born? about the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. Cause one of the things you were upset about was like, so I don't want to tell too many of these details, but like, you know, everybody's it's okay. Every, I don't think it would bother him. Well, everyone's level of overwhelm, like you have an incredibly high capacity. And I actually get this from you sometimes too, where you're like, why are you so upset? I'm like, listen, <laughs> and I, I, I'm going to be as upset as I why are you still so upset. Yeah. I've like, gotten so much better in the last year. Yeah, you really have. You really have. <laughs> but um, everyone gets overwhelmed as a function of both what's happening to them and their ability to deal with it. So it's yeah. like not just what's Which is also plate. impacted by biology and history and all those other yeah. pieces. Right. It's not, it's not just what's on your plate. It's the side of your plate. And in fact, yeah. if, I can, if I can rant for just a second, this is one of the <laughs> things that I freaking hate when parents do sometimes is when they minimize their kids' problems. Like sometimes they'll do it behind the kid's back, but sometimes they'll do it to the kid too. Like, my gosh, you're upset because your favorite truck got broken? Try paying the mortgage. Like I've heard parents (laughs) say something like that. Like, listen, 
a five-year-old has a five-year-old's coping skills. Their favorite and five-year-old problems, yeah. Yeah, is this, it is as severe of a problem for their level of coping skills as you missing a mortgage payment. It really is that bad. So don't, yeah. like, they're a full human having a full human experience. Like I had, <laughs> Riley and I had to go to the dentist this morning. Um, she had some, so, oh yeah, that's the other thing. I came home sick and then I had to take Riley to the oral surgeon the next morning at 7.30 in the morning. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, I didn't have to. Eric offered to take her, but I was feeling better in the morning. And then I had to like take care of her while I was also recovering. But um, we went for a follow-up appointment this morning really early until we had like a half an hour before school. And so we were sitting at Starbucks having whatever. And a little girl came in and she was, I don't know, three or four, maybe three. She was tiny. She had all this amazing curly, like white blonde hair, just like crazy curly, just like to die. Like like Merida in the movie Brave, amount of curls. And she had her little flip-flops and her little mask. And she and she walked out with her little cup. And I was just so struck in the moment how sweet because she's a full human having a full human experience. She went to Starbucks and got her drink. And we, we can trivialize and minimize the experience kids are having because we have adult skills, but they really are like, for her, that's part of her morning routine, the same way me going and getting, you know, a latte. It just was right. sweet and cute. Anyway, so that was a, a rant and a squirrel, but to come back to, so everyone's ability to function is a function, like getting overwhelmed is not only what's on your plate, but the size of your plate. So we were talking about right. that and you were saying, John is like playing a bunch. Like, how does he have time to blah, blah, blah. If he doesn't have time to, you know, X, Y, Z, like, how can you play a video game that's me. Um, I was going to so say, I've been playing most yeah. video games on my phone. That's me. But like, so when I get super overwhelmed, sometimes I'll sit and play video games because it's all I can deal with. Right. But I was telling you that when Riley was born, um, she and I had a pretty traumatic birth experience that ended well, all's well that ends well. But at the time she was in the NICU and I was confined to bed for 48 hours. So we had, an un, it wasn't an emergency C-section, but it was a non-scheduled C-section. They took the baby. Then they took me back to my ICU and I wasn't allowed to see her for two straight days. And that was awful. And most of my nurses were actually really compassionate, but one of them came in, it was like, you know, it, it could be a lot worse. And I'm like, listen, from my perspective, my baby was here. I was feeling her move every single day and you guys stole her. So I don't care what's actually happening. What I care about is how it feels right now. And my baby is not here. She's been with me for nine months. Well, not quite nine. And I've been able to feel her kick and move all the time. And now she's here, not here. And I can't hold her. And this is really upsetting and alarming. It was only one nurse who kind of gave me the back smack. But um, one of the things Eric did is he brought in a DVD player and he brought in Arrested Development, which is one of our favorite shows. It's so funny. And I just sat and binged it and laughed and laughed and laughed because it was a way to not be with what was happening. Like I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't see my baby. They couldn't bring her to me. There was nothing that I could do. So all I could do was basically buffer. I mean, probably a reasonably healthy way to deal with it. Just watching too much TV when you're confined to bed. But from the outside, there could have been a lot of people like, gosh, how can you be laughing at that TV show when you haven't seen your baby in two days? But I'm like, well, what else am I supposed to do? Sit here and cry about it? Um, and because that was just how I was dealing and how I was coping. And also right. I didn't play the mental game then that I play now. Right. 
And in the middle of all the physical and everything else, that might have been absolutely the best possible way to handle it. Right. Yeah. Because I was really, really sick too. That's true. That's a good point. Like I was in the ICU for a reason. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Anyway, so, you know, we, we can't really judge a person's level of overwhelm by right based on ours and also we should never or whether they're a man's level of overwhelm because compared to a woman we have i'm so using (laughs) just kidding um okay i want to say the thing about sleep because i don't know why but it's made such a big difference for me and i just feel like maybe other women need to hear this so i am like i mean today i had a headache and i i used oils and i was getting a migraine and i was literally like I wonder if there's any actual like medicine around here because this isn't working. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I don't even have time. And Peggy's like, we got some oxy. And I was like, you know, she was just obviously joking, but right. um, we have like, you know, a room full of painkillers. I'm like, I don't know. What do I do? I have a headache. Just like there's a uh, jars of Tylenol. Um, but I like, I just lean into all the natural things. I just finished 200 days in a row of yoga, which is like a freaking miracle. I mean, there, I, I don't, um, I don't know. Like I, I don't, I don't feel bad if I need to go to the doctor or, or need something, but I don't lean into it. And I haven't been sleeping and I sleep pretty well, pretty consistently, except for maybe a couple days here and there, but I leave the hospital and I come home to my little cute apartment. Or I leave Peggy's, you know, around nine o'clock at night and I go, you know, to, and I get in bed and I am on high alert until I'm so exhausted. I can't, I literally can't, it doesn't matter how many forward folds I do. It doesn't matter how many oils I use. Like I can't get my body out of freak out. And it's starting to upset me because, you know, it's just, it's upsetting not to sleep and we're not in day one of this. And I was kind of problem solving it with you. And you just made like how you helped me think about if I was going to call my doctor and have a conversation, um, like, okay, I do all these things and I approach everything from this natural perspective. And now I want to look at maybe, you know, trying something medically because I can't cue my body that it doesn't need to freak out because it's been freaking out for three months. Yeah. And this isn't even a new conversation. We're just circling back to the earlier conversation of the analogy to the sinuses and the histamine reaction that once yeah. your nervous system is so dysregulated, like, it's funny that you said that about drugs. Cause you and I are both the same. Like we always go natural first, but we're not opposed to the doctor. And I knew how sick I was on Monday when I was sitting on the couch thinking, I wish I could just take a whole bunch of drugs to not feel this way. And I never <laughs> think that <laughs> I never yeah. feel that way. And, and for me, it was like, Ooh, prednisone. Woo. But <laughs> I, I was so dysregulated in the, in the inflammatory, um, cascade of my, well, I don't know if it was an inflammatory cascade, but basically the inflammatory yeah. response of my sinuses was so dysregulated that I could not get back on top of it without some yes. kind of medical intervention or a super long time. Like I could have or, gotten back or on the top. space to do it. Right. Like if all this right. ended six weeks of misery home for a few days or whatever, I could probably get myself to reset. Right. And that, right, same I think me. that part right. about being dysregulated and how you talked about it, even though I just couldn't even, you know, re, re, um, regurgitate it. I don't know what the word I'm looking. I couldn't recreate it. I'm not right. even talking about throwing up. That's where my brain's going, but Ugh. I couldn't, um, give it back, you know, but just saying to myself like, oh yeah, like I'm doing everything right. And I'm still not able to care for myself very well right now. 
like was so it's part of that normalizing but I love how our conversations are often really holistic and I think just start like I was saying like you've done so much work on your anxiety and also your body's freaking the fuck out because you can't breathe like this is right. normal right and yeah so there's all those yeah, things and- that are just good to say yeah and it's it's actually a lot like heat stroke too like heat stroke is you get so hot that you can't cool yourself off anymore. It's like, have you ever had heat stroke? No, it's life-threatening. Heat stroke, you need like actual heat stroke. I mean, I'm familiar with the symptoms because I live in Tucson, but um, (laughs) like heat, heat exhaustion, you're sweaty, you feel faint, whatever that's heat exhaustion, but heat stroke, your body actually stops trying to cool itself. You don't sweat you feel hot to the touch, all the, it's, it's like nine one one. You have to immediately get the person emergency medical care because their body cooling system basically shuts off. Is everybody's body different? Like capacities, like we were just talking about, or is there like, I'm sure it's like at this point, it's everybody's going into heat stroke. I mean, I'm sure both of those are true, right? Like at this point, everyone goes into heat stroke, but some people are more, and if you're older and if you have medical conditions, but basically it's what we're talking about that your body's cooling system gets so dysregulated, so dysregulated, it stops working and it becomes life-threatening. It's like, it's almost like adrenal fatigue, like overworks. So your nervous system right now can't regulate itself because it's so overworked. So of course you're not sleeping. And of course this would be a time to go to a doctor and say, here's the whole protocol of stuff I'm using. Here's why I think I'm dysregulated. What can we do to, you know, get back on top of it? Because sometimes you really just like, like I'm using helichrysum now because I used steroids for five days um, and I'm, I'm right. still and having some problems, but helichrysum is now enough. My usual things are not working because I'm re-regulated. And one of the things that we both have talked about resenting in the natural community is that um, there's almost like a shaming around needing, needing or choosing to reach for um, you know, our Western medicine option. And right. that's, you know, that's not really the like there's a place for balance but I think just the holistic conversation's good I think we should definitely pat ourselves on the back that we didn't talk about Medicaid rules for um five minutes like we (laughs) joked about and then also I really need to talk about baseballs before we leave you just always like to tack on that random shit all right I mean you can talk about about your icy balls that you're having orgasmic (laughs) experiences with for two (laughs) minutes and then it's bedtime young lady or maybe we should just leave it at that okay so (laughs) Lynn's people are like what the hell (laughs) Lynn sent me on a massage and I was like in the middle of this she gave me two massages but after one of them I was like my whole body hurts I got my hands and my face I didn't give you a massage I gifted you 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 gifted um, me it makes it sound like I rubbed you I didn't rub you somebody else I paid someone else to rub you. <laughs> That's true. Even if you were physically here, you would have paid somebody else to rub me. That's so true. You're that kind of girl. Anyway, yes, kind of girl. she, she sched, literally scheduled me a massage and sent me, here you go. Paid for, bow on top. Don't forget to show up on time. So, um, but afterward I was like shocked. My whole body hurt. And I was like, okay, my, my body feels better, but I'm like alarmed because it just released everything. But then um, I was like, my face really hurts my hands really hurt. Right. Cause I would, you know, like I had all this work in my back and stuff. So then I got a facial and, um, I, this was like my day where Peggy wasn't talking to me and wanted me to go sure. away. So I was like, I'm getting, you had childcare again. 
<laughs> and she was in the hospital. So we joked that I had childcare, but, um, I got a facial and the girl, and I told her like, I just have all this tension in my face. And she brought out these magical balls of joy. And I, uh, I've every day I'm like, I should go find that girl and thank her because they're basically these ice. <laughs> they're these balls. Why is there no way to discuss this? They're these, I don't know, but I just on decided, to, I just decided to title the podcast magical balls of joy, but continue. <laughs> face balls of joy. So and then you put them in the refrigerator and you get them out and they're just, you roll them all over your face. Like, I think I literally have one here and one at patient family housing because I never really want to be without one. I love them so much and they've been so good. I mean, you bought some, but you weren't nearly as entertained as I was. I was okay. So to be fair, they came while I was still having my sinusitis crisis and you want heat on your face then not cold. But I did give them to Riley, who had two wisdom teeth and a molar extracted, and she was quite happy to rub them back and forth on her face. So and you know how those I'm like willing... really expensive, sometimes like eye things that come with those little mini rollers that put it on because the cooling is good for that soft tissue. Like these are like giant versions of that for your whole face. And they don't roll. I mean, they feel amazing. And I've been amazed by how much I love them. And you were joking with me, like, I don't think you're going to be a one set of balls kind of girl you're going to need them everywhere but <laughs> it's probably really true I need multiple balls I'll see if I can put a link in the show notes to the big icy steel balls that you're... I mean for 20 bucks they've brought me nothing but joy I know and oh. I put mine in the freezer so maybe they're too cold maybe I should move them to the fridge so I did um, do that today because I forgot and had one in my purse and I like wanted it to cool off before I went home and I thought the like frostiness of it where it was like it just absorbed all that condensation right away wasn't as good because what a part of what I love is like I don't understand how it works but they don't stick on my face like I feel like I must have some kind of like soft moisturizer or something because they just glide across my skin I hate when balls stick to your face (laughs) (laughs) yep I'm telling you all things don't put your balls in the refrigerator you get a bad result don't put your balls in the freezer you get a bad result so maybe i'll move my ball to each girl every girl likes her balls however she likes her balls right whatever temperature you like your balls there's no judgment here in the ladies room i have a picture of peggy playing with my balls um (laughs) and and i'll have to i thought maybe i don't know where she was i'll have to ask her if we can share it because it's quite funny big steel balls of joy okay i think on that note (laughs) and we're out And we're out. So we'll see you next time in the ladies room. (laughs) Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to catch us in the ladies room. You can also find Lynn at A Spacious Life on Facebook, Instagram, and in Clubhouse. And find Allie at 5 Billion Entrepreneurs on LinkedIn and Instagram. Mm -hmm.